0: Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. Before you get to
1: the show, make sure you check out TheRinger.com for our extensive NBA playoff coverage leading up to the NBA Finals. Also look out for our 2019 NBA Draft Guide, which now
0: features 50 of Kevin O'Connor's scouting reports. The Draft Guide has a first-round mock draft, big board rankings from our draft experts like Jonathan Charks and Danny Chow, and much more to come leading up to the draft itself on June 20th. Once again, check out The Ringer's 2019 NBA Draft Guide and all of our NBA coverage over on TheRinger.com.
1: Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. This is a long two edition of the Corner 3. My name is Danny Chow. I'm an associate editor for the site. Joining me from Dallas is Ringer staff writer, Jonathan Charks. How's it going, man?
0: Good, man. I'm excited to talk draft. I think uh, KOC is currently flying back from Chicago, right?
1: Is that right? He he couldn't make it for the pod. He's flying back out of Chicago from the NBA draft lottery last night after being sequestered into a room with 11 other NBA writers without access to his cell phone for two hours. Sounds like my worst nightmare.
0: Danny, His hanging out with Zach Lowe now. He doesn't need time for us <laughs> to pod about <laughs> on our lowly corner. Now the long two pod.
1: <laughs> I think that's where we should start. Tuesday's NBA draft lottery was basically everything the NBA had hoped for with the flattened odds. It was chaos. There were so many fan bases calling it rigged. You know, it hurt me a little given how much I appreciate tanking and how much I think it's uh, a necessary evil with with the way the 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 NBA system is run but I I can't really deny that last night was you know truly high drama um so I think we'll, it was
0: definitely dramatic for sure
1: yeah so I I think we'll just kick this thing off with a deep dive of maybe the first six uh teams picking in the draft lottery and and kind of work from there I think there's plenty of time to talk draft now so we might as well go deep as deep as we can
0: yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm a conspiracy guy, but I will admit Zion going to the Pels, thats not a. I mean, if they were ever going to fix a draft, this would be the draft to fix. So I guess they just don't do that anymore. I don't know.
1: So are are now are you saying that this would be a fix? Like the Pelicans getting Zion is kind of see. Like I feel like a the NBA wouldn't want that, really. Yeah, right. Because like, to
0: me, that says like the NBA is not fixing these
1: number two with Memphis, too. These are two teams that have been in the headlines about you know, oh, are they going to stay in their team? Are they going to stay in their city? Are they going to stay for the foreseeable future? So, like, I kind of don't really see it, but, you know, you know, of these top six teams that are picking first in the lottery, there kind of seems to be a pattern that's merged, right, Charks, in terms of how their teams are built?
0: We were kind of game planning this, and it feels like this year... Really the top four, all four are kind of this weird in-between stage, right? Between, like they've got veterans and they bring in young guys. And how do you find that balance? And how do veterans deal with being, having younger guys in the team? So it's just hard at the top. Right, Anthony Davis, do you think he's going to stay in New Orleans? Do you think he wants to stay and play with Zion?
1: Do I think he wants to stay? No, I don't think he wants to yeah. stay. But I think, I think David Griffin kind of has all of, He has all the cards now. Like he, it doesn't really matter at this point. Like he can kind of wait this thing out as long as he wants to because he has the crown jewel of the draft, and he has the crown jewel of maybe the next few drafts. I think I think Zion might be the best prospect we'll see in a while.
0: I don't know. You're you're more on top of the 2020, 2021 drafts. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're we're really looking at like Zion and and maybe like Imani Bates in in maybe three years. Yeah, he's, he's supposed
0: to be like the next big thing.
1: He's going to be good. But I think I think in terms of a, a guy who can kind of completely change the way the game is played, uh, Jay Williams had kind of talked about this yesterday during the draft uh, broadcast. He's like he he went through the draft and kind of looked at all the players that really changed the way that we saw the league. And I think, yeah, no, he's right. Zion is one of those guys because we just haven't seen a guy with his unique skill set um, kind of lead a team before.
0: I mean, it'd be crazy to think him and AD together. And then he, there's like, it's like, could it be like Simmons and Embiid though, if they played together? Do they both want to attack the rim? Would it make sense? Or would it be like Randall and AD all over again?
1: Right. Yeah, it would really be contingent on, I guess, the rest of the roster being ideal fits. You would need so much spacing for that to work. I mean, AD has gotten so much better, you know, pulling up off the dribble, shooting threes and stuff like that, but it's still not necessarily what he wants to do the most. And at a certain point, if, if Zion can't, be, can't hit his threes and you're asking AD to basically do what Joel Embiid did all of this season kind of, hesitantly shooting those threes just because no one else could on the Sixers, then it might be a kind of a tricky fit. And and at that point, you're like, well, okay, I get it. AD wants out. Like, there's no point in having them try to figure this out on the fly um, when he's a goner anyway.
0: See, that's what I'm thinking. I think, like, you know, we all love Zion, but if you're Anthony Davis, it's like, I've been losing for seven years, and I have to wait, like, I don't know, three or four years for this guy to really figure it out to get into his own... Like, by the time AD's 30, Zion's 22. <laughs> I don't really know they're going to want to wait for Zion to figure it out.
1: Right. Oh, man. That, that, is, that is impossible to think. And yeah, I, I, but I was thinking about it. And time I was comes like, at you fast, Danny. I was like, if, if AD is like, I still want to play for the Lakers. I mean, between playing for, what, an 18-year-old Zion and a 34-year-old LeBron James, that's 16 years of difference.
0: Yeah, if it almost feels like it's um, like it was like too hot, too cold versus just right, which you can get into a little later. Like, where would be the best spot with for AD, but I mean, I do, I do get the appeal. I mean, right, AD Zion and Drew Holiday is, I mean, that's a pretty nasty big three too.
1: That yeah, that the defensive potential with those three would be off the charts, and and you're you're basically asking for you have three guys across the positional spectrum that can create out of the pick and roll um, who have good vision and who have good instincts uh creating for others. You, I mean, yeah, you you basically surround them with big wings who could shoot threes, which, you know, it's not easy to find, but like if you can find those guys, you know, put put Kenrich Williams out on the court a little bit longer and hey, just, just have a nice. bunch of big Rich, dudes. TCU. You know, just have a bunch of big dudes on the floor and Drew. I don't know. It could work.
0: It it's crazy because like you have these two wild extremes, right? You could try to go like all in now with uh, Zion, Drew, and AD, or you could like do a process times ten, and you could process AD and process Drew again, and like try to get as many draft picks around Zion as you possibly could. Right? Right? What if you put both those guys in the market? How many young guys could you bring in? You could have like (laughs) ten. You know what I mean? Like it's crazy.
1: I mean, so I mean, I get. I guess at this point, we we would have to start listing the possible. Anthony Davis trades and, and, and kind of rank them by favorability? Where, I mean, where where do they even start looking? I, I I guess the Celtics one, right?
0: Well, to me, there's four teams that jump out, right? That can make big offers. So Clippers, Lakers, Knicks, Celtics. They could all make, you know, just throw a huge amount of young guys and picks at them. And there's also like the dark horse possibilities, like the Nuggets, maybe could get in on it or a number of teams. But to me, like, I'm thinking about it Right now, I think I'm like the Clippers the most. Really, if I can get SGA, Landry, Shamit, Zubac, and then like a bunch of picks, that's that's two for sh- that's a starting backcourt right there. S J and Landry Shamit, and I think S J could be an all star point guard. Landry Shamit could be like next great, you know, catch and shoot two guard. Right with Zion,
1: that'd be a pretty nasty top three. And so to balance out the the money, would you need to include like? Danilo Gallinari? Or would no, you... because
0: the Clippers have a bunch of cap space.
1: Oh, yeah, you're right.
0: You're just trading Davis in the cap space.
1: Oh, that's interesting.
0: And then if you get Davis in LA, and then maybe you can pair him with Kawhi Leonard instead of pairing him with LeBron or Zion.
1: Right. And that's always kind of like I guess... my dream pairing. Like, put Kawhi and AD together, two dudes who are just like real non-compelling personalities, but who just really want to play. <laughs> and who are just very that's good class, at what they do. That's a
0: classic Danny Chow take. Right? Yeah. Let's like, put
1: the two least compelling personalities <laughs> together. And, and, and just, like, create a compelling product <laughs> off of pure skill. I don't know. Like, that's, that's my dream.
0: Not a lot of passing, though, if those are your two that's top true. two players. Not like a, not, no elite playmaking there. Which, I mean, whatever, though, I guess, right at that point.
1: You have Kawhi and Davis. Kawhi, Davis, and then you'd have Lou Williams off the bench.
0: Here's my take. Of all those teams, Clippers, Lakers, Knicks, Celtics... I think I'll take SGA of any of them, all all their young players on those four
1: teams. That is a take.
0: When you're looking at making these trades, really you're talking about, can I get an all-star franchise young type player? So who's a centerpiece offer for each team? The Clippers is SGA. The Lakers, it's uh, Brandon Ingram. I like Ingram a lot, but with this whole blood clot thing, I mean, how can they even trade for him, right? Right. I mean, who knows at this point what's up with him? The Knicks, it's... It's centerpiece the, offer it's is the
1: third pick. It's the third pick.
0: No, the, the third pick, yeah, right. <laughs> and like to, to me, if I was drafting SGA this year, to me, he's the number two player in this draft easily. And then, of course, Celtics would be Tatum,
1: right? Although the Celtics offer would be interesting. I, I think it would be the most compelling, just because I think the package that they would put out would immediately make the Pelicans like a playoff ready possible contender because I think they would have to include Horford in it and you just kind so of so roll- you're saying
0: Horford Tatum Brown
1: yeah I mean ideally yes I don't know if you get all of that but yeah that's but a but I think they're tip. gonna
0: have to now if the other teams are in the market and if AD's up for sale like they're gonna have to ball in mm-hmm. but then what does Kyrie do right right what if Kyrie leaves then it's Gordon Hayward and Anthony Davis and Terry Rozier <laughs> and then Davis is like
1: ah what am I doing here I mean, but think about it from the Pelicans' perspective. That's that's Drew Holiday, that's Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Zion, and Al Horford. That's pretty nice. That's Drew a, Holiday with those guys is nice. That's a pretty nice team. That's a that's an extremely strong defensive team. And then you can kind Dude, of have Horford,
0: Zion, Tatum, Brown, Holiday. Yeah, that is nasty.
1: Yeah. If they see if they can get that, that's a. And, and like, look, Al Horford probably leaves after after one season, but, like, you're fine with that. And the
0: thing with Horford, though, so he has a player option for his last year, and that's due on June 29th before free agency starts. My guess is he's not going to pick it up because he's going to want to either way, and if he stayed in Boston, he's going to want to get a longer deal right now, right?
1: Right. Yeah, He'll and want to
0: parlay that, that last year to get a longer, more secure contract.
1: Exactly. And he he there have been reports that he would be willing to take on a, a team friendly contract to stay in Boston. So yeah, if if they do trade him, it, I mean, it definitely wouldn't be he wouldn't be happy about it. Okay.
0: So yeah, let's take that off the table. I don't think Horford. I think if you're Boston, you're training for Davis. You're assuming Horford's player takes his player option, doesn't take it. Kyrie doesn't take it and trading Davis into space. Mm-hmm. Because at that point, Boston cleared $50 million. So we'll be looking at a Tatum-Brown deal. So would you rather have Tatum and Brown or S.J. and Shamit? I'm saying, i am telling you, I think S.J. is better than all of them. To me, he's a 6'6 point guard. Get his own shot wherever he wants. Super high basketball IQ. High IQ. His jumper is getting better every every game, it seems like. I mean, he had like 25 points against the Warriors in the playoffs in one of those games. Yeah. He's a three-pushing defender. I mean to me I I think he's the highest ceiling of all those guys.
1: I I wonder if his body can really develop to kind of withstand you know being a 3 positional a 3 position defender uh going forward. I don't I don't know if he necessarily has the frame for that. Like I I I look at a guy like Frank Nelekino who is like nowhere near as good as SGA, but he does have the frame to actually develop into one despite being you know, labeled a point guard entering the draft. Um, I wonder how his body develops, but yeah, no, you're right. His skill, his skill set is almost ideal for the the type of you know point guard that that most teams are looking for these days.
0: And then if you look at it like with Shamit too, like Shamit was probably this. He was probably like the biggest surprise of his rookie class, right? Yeah. Like I ma- I managed Shamit playing off Zion. Yeah. How many open threes he's going to get?
1: Right. Yeah, and, and Shamit has... Is like one of the plus minus net rating gods. Like whenever he's on the floor, he just makes the team better just because he knows exactly what he's doing. He's basically another JJ Redick on the floor.
0: I don't know. That's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking. If I'm the Pelicans, but I guess we should talk Lakers too, right? Lakers and the Knicks would be in that mix also, right? So the Lakers probably Lonzo Kuzma Ingram and the pick
1: is their trade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean with the Lakers, it, it really boils down to like. Okay, can can the medicals you know clear Brandon Ingram completely? Like will will there be a lingering scare? Will there always be a lingering scare that, you know, the the blood clots can can kind of resurface? Um I I think he's still the biggest talent of the hall that that they can get out of any of these teams. Um but yeah, I think I think that is such a you know, it, it's a factor that, that definitely kind of diminishes the Lakers' deal or their offer.
0: I mean, it, it almost got underplayed, I felt like, because so much was going on when it happened. But like, that's like a franchise-changing diagnosis. I mean, obviously, life-changing diagnosis for him, you don't want to underplay that either. But I, to me, I just don't know how you can trade Anthony Davis for a guy who might never play again or who right. might always have them hanging over his career.
1: Right. Look, do the Knicks have a credible offer,
0: to be honest? I guess in comparison to the rest of these guys, I'm going to say no. No, So you have number three, Kevin Knox. You probably got to throw Mitchell Robinson. He had a really good rookie year. Yeah. So Knox, Robinson, number three pick, Dennis, Trier. They got a lot of young guys, but I don't know. They have a lot of young guys. Mitchell Robinson is probably the best prospect,
1: right? They all kind of feel like B minus guys, like at at their very best, you know? Like Robinson, though. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Huge surprise. Uh, A true like shot blocking savant guy who can like i mean with him and zion together like how many threes are getting blocked
0: yeah though i guess you wonder if you're building around zion do you want a non shooting big no right. matter how good defensively he is
1: right yeah and and you you'd kind of written about that uh earlier this season about how zion can kind of be the next great playmaking five the next great playmaking uh, center in the vein of Giannis in the vein of LeBron. Um, or Draymond even, you or know? Draymond, yeah.
0: And right, it's like when you have Draymond, you got to go small at some point. You you got to get, get those shot, get that big off the floor so he has to open lane to the basket. So yeah, I think the Knicks would be the lowest of the sure of those four. Man, it's going to be crazy. I don't know, like, there's so many different options, so many possibilities. I think worth bringing up too, like, If you were going to process the uh, Pelicans, the lottery odds being changed make that less appealing? I think so. I mean, I mean, I mean, right? The Suns are sitting at number six right now, and the
1: Bulls are (laughs) at seven.
0: (laughs) What a bummer for those teams. Man, yeah, that's brutal.
1: (laughs) But yeah, like another team that will have to decide whether or not it's in full scale rebuild or not is the Memphis Grizzlies, who beat the odds to land the number two pick. This should be a huge deal, but the Grizzlies are kind of cursed. Like, they've had the number two pick in the legendary 2003 draft, which they had to convey to Detroit because of a trade that they made in 1997. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, so, they, if they
0: had number one, they would have kept the pick if they had kept, that's number one. Yeah. For Oda, yeah. For the Otis Thorpe trade. hmm. Oof.
1: And they had the number two pick in 2009, the Blake Griffin year, which also could have landed them James Harden or Steph Curry. Uh, instead, they got Hashim the beat. And now, Zion. <laughs> so Man. where where do we land with the Grizzlies at number two it's between well, I mean it seems like
0: they're looking at RJ and Ja right those are the two guys that have kind of separated themselves after Zion a right. little bit and so then it feels like it's a pretty simple like calculation so if you if you draft Con- if you draft Ja Morant that you probably move Mike Conley pretty soon and then you're starting from scratch with Ja and Jaron Jackson if you draft RJ, are you thinking, well, we're just going to try to win with Conley, but he, and you still have a younger team around him?
1: Mm-hmm. I guess for me, it comes down to how fungible you think the positions are. Like, I, I think if you think RJ has all of the requisite skills to be a two-way versatile wing, a guy who can you know handle the ball, defend, eventually learn how to shoot. Uh, maybe even become like a small ball four down the road, then maybe that's more valuable than a skinny six foot three point guard. Like regardless of, you know, how athletic, how, how, you know, mesmerizing John Morant is. I think with Ja, we
0: talked about this during the draft. Like it's all about that pull-up jump shot. Like Mm -hmm. I think he's got by far the highest basketball IQ of all the guards in this draft of like your Garlands, your Whites, all those guys. Like John Morant is the guy, like you trust his read for the game his feel for the game, understanding when to pass, when to shoot. And it's like, and he was a great athlete in college, but in the NBA, can he be a consistent pull-up three-point shooter? Because if he can be that player, that player in Jaron Jackson is a pretty interesting one too, right? Right. If ja, if ja can be like your spread pick and roll point guard who can pass out of it really easily, then he could be a franchise player.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't imagine them sticking with Conley, like regardless of of who they draft. I think they have to find a way to to kind of offload that contract. This team is not built to contend. This team is is like barely built to to make the playoffs at this point. So I, I I don't really see a reason why they would they would hold on to Conley other than it being literally the last vestige of grit and grind.
0: Yeah, I think so because to me, even if you get RJ in here, it doesn't really change much about. Like he's not going to be, I don't think, an instant impact guy who's going to like change a franchise. Mm -hmm. He's a long term player. So yeah, at that point, can you get anything for Conley? Right? Wouldn't Conley be one
1: of the better players in the market if you put him out there? Right. In my dreams, the Mark Gasol trade that that Toronto uh, pulled off would have included Conley as well. I think I would have like shipped Kyle Lowry over to Memphis. Um, But yeah, I I I think he still has value. He put up you know, one of his best statistical, at least raw statistical seasons uh in his career last season after coming back from that kind of weird Achilles bone spur um injury that he had that that sidelined him during the Grizzlies like worst season in forever. Um I mean the one that got them JJJ. So yeah, I I, I think he still has value. I think all of his skills are still translate. He's he's not too old. He's on the wrong side of 30, sure, but I think he has a game that can, that can age pretty gracefully.
0: Yeah, it seems like you might trade him to like even Utah or Indiana, one yeah. of these teams with cap space that doesn't get a big prospect or doesn't get a big star, and then maybe get some young guys for him. Like t- I think to me, I would just go with Ja over RJ. But I, I really mm-hmm. like a Ja, DeLon Wright backward. That's pretty fun.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else to say about the Grizzlies? No, nah, let's, let's keep moving. All right, uh, so the number three pick uh, goes to the Knicks. I'm actually wearing a uh, fun shirt uh, by an artist named Andrew Kuo. You may know him as Earl Boykins on social media. Uh, it's a mock jersey that has the 2016-17 Knicks as the world champions of basketball. Who's on that team? Derek uh, Derek Rose. Um, Kuzminskis, Oh, the original super team. Ah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Porzingis, Courtney Lee, Ron Baker, and Carmelo Anthony. Dream team. <laughs> so. That
0: was another classic Danny moment in the middle of post-lottery. <laughs> Let me tell you about a shirt I'm wearing <laughs> four years ago. So Shout like, out Andrew Kuo, though. That's cool.
1: Yeah, shout him out. Uh, I don't know what to make of what the Knicks are supposed to do here.
0: I mean, I think, like, if you're them, you have to know, right? Are you getting KD and Kyrie or are you not? Yeah. Like, I mean, everyone thinks they are, but are they? If they're coming, it really changes the dynamic. I was just saying, like, we were just talking about that. Can you imagine Kyrie with a number three pick and him, like, telling RJ about how he has to spot up off the ball and (laughs) sacrifice?
1: Yeah, and, and that's literally RJ's worst skill. He has never had to play off the ball. Like, to me, if you're bringing those two guys in,
0: you really can't draft RJ. And I'm not sure you can draft anyone. Like, I don't know that any young guy playing with KD and Kyrie is really going to be good for their careers.
1: Right. I mean, at that point, you're like, if I mean, if you're drafting for fit because you know that Kyrie and KD are coming, then it's like, okay, what kind of player do we would we really like to have? And then it becomes, what, DeAndre Hunter? A guy who could switch? A guy who could yeah, play think- a couple of positions? Like, what? What's the move here?
0: I don't think you can draft for fit in the top three. Yeah, like, exactly. I want to get a role player. Not knowing if that role player even makes sense or if even that will be, be acceptable for Katie and Kyrie. Like Even 3 and D guys on elite teams are generally older players.
1: That would be the best case scenario in which it's kind of, okay, we have our two superstars. Whatever we do here is just kind of house money. Uh, what happens if they don't get either guy? If they don't get anything? I mean, if they're
0: trying to build it on RJ and Dennis Smith, that's like the darkest timeline, right?
1: <laughs> RJ, Dennis Smith, Kevin Knox. Uh, just the, the true like inefficiency all-stars.
0: Right? Alonzo Trier. I mean, you got a lot of guys who want to take shots. That's for sure. Oof. I mean, to me, like all these young guys are going to have to go from New York because all these guys are ball-dominant guys mm-hmm. who don't want to play off anyone.
1: Yeah, and so basically, the Knicks are are kind of stuck in like a weird. I, I mean, is it, it? It's a it's a worse situation than the Lakers, even if they. No, I can't say that. No. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's definitely a not much because. Younger KD. Yeah. You yeah you would have KD, and that changes literally everything.
0: I will say this: there's one guy in this draft who you could draft right now at three, and who would make the Knicks a lot better team, no matter who is around him, and that's our guy Brandon Clark.
1: <laughs> yeah. Do you have him ranked number two? Yeah. I mean, to me, he's
0: like a I think he's got some Sean Marion in his game. That's what I was thinking, putting him there. Yeah. To me, he's like a multi defender. I mean, probably other than Zion, the best athlete in the draft, high basketball IQ. His jump shot has really developed. Like I think and he'd be great at like playing off KD, running around, cutting to the rim, defending, doing garbage man stuff. But I mean, like, I wonder at what point do you say forget draft ranges and draft the best player? Right. Mm-hmm. We get so caught in these boxes. Oh, well, John, RJ are the number two and three players. Then there's the Culver, Garland, Hunter range, right? But it's like, everyone says this draft is weak, so why get locked into these ranges? It don't mean anything anyways.
1: Right. Yeah, I, I've kind of been in that same mode all season. I thought the reason why this draft is so compelling is not because of necessarily the talent, but because the teams that are looking in these ranges will have such different priorities from one another. And that is going to shake up the draft. I think it'll shake up the draft in ways that we haven't seen since like maybe 2016. But even 2016, it was because the, the Kings were doing some wild, wild stuff that was just like, what is going on? Like Thonmaker went 10 and then Papayanis went, what, 11 or 12? Something like that. Yeah, it was just yeah. like random stuff started happening. Whereas here, I think it's really like, okay, each team has their own set of priorities and there just aren't that many guys that have the talent level that would kind of override, you know, a team's general game plan. I think it's going to be pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Like, even even in any most drafts, like, you're like, okay, who's the third best player? Who's the fourth best player? Let's Let's debate RJ and job. But you look at these teams, it's really about, Fit in the NBA, their picture, their their place in the league, their free agency status. Like I'm looking at this, like I feel like there's almost no chance the Knicks and the Lakers make these picks, right? Like yeah. I mean, realistically, if RJ is the guy at three for whoever is going to take him, that's a trade. That's going to be traded. Mm-hmm. There's just no way you can bring RJ in to play with LeBron or KD. It make, doesn't make any sense.
1: But man, it's like what exactly? is the trade value for these picks when all we're saying is just, like, a bunch of naysaying about, you know, oh, these guys aren't, aren't great, oh, blah, blah, blah. Like, what can now, they That's the other get? question,
0: too, right? Who's trading up into this draft? Yeah. I mean, I think KOC had a good point in his little breakdown. We're talking about trading down. Mm-hmm. That might be the way to do it. Like, go, you, know, you trade three spots back and get a veteran. I don't know, like, Phoenix at six. If they're going to offer TJ Warren and their pick... I wouldn't mind TJ Warren. Now they can shoot threes on a lot of these teams.
1: Then you then you kind of run into the uh, the the Wizards trap of trading what the fifth pick and Mike Miller for Randy Foy. Uh,
0: you know, no, it was it was the fifth pick for Miller and Foy. Oh,
1: Miller and Foy. Okay, yeah.
0: Well, which either way, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> That's the thing too. Like maybe these like the guys in these ranges aren't the best players, but the third, fourth, and fifth best player in this draft. They might get taken in the 20s. And that player is probably going to be worth a really high a really good piece in a trade. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to trade a guy like a for a mediocre veteran. Like we're go- I'm going to league like who would be make sense to, besides like Bradley Beal? Who would make sense to be traded
1: for a top pick? Justice Winslow? Like if Miami wants to rebuild? I guess. His contract isn't isn't too exorbitant, is it? Like he's still on Yeah, but it's not very long either. Yeah. I think it's only two more years left. Right. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I, I, I'm looking at these teams, and and obviously the next pick is the Lakers. It's like all of these teams are clamoring to trade for AD. But in terms of of oh, the Lakers became winners because they got this fourth pick. Yeah, sure, but like, where exactly is it going? What exactly can they do with it? I mean,
0: you could always trade for Kevin Love.
1: You know, <laughs> run the cows back again. <laughs> oh my God! I, I'm right, sure, right? I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure Los Angeles would love that. Bring, bring back their, their old bruin. Couldn't they sign Kyrie and change for Kevin Love? Let's bring, bring, bring back the Cavs. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm being facetious right now. Like I I I'm pretty sure Lakers fans would actually hate it.
0: Yeah, but I mean with LeBron, then maybe it would make sense. I don't know. Get LeBron a stretch <laughs> five again.
1: <laughs> I mean, there have been there have been like murmurs that like Kyrie would be down to go to LA. So Mamba mentality and whatnot. Maybe like if you're looking at guys, how about someone like Torian Prince? KOC was saying mm-hmm. he
0: was available over the, at the deadline, right? Like a younger veteran who wants to get paid soon. Maybe that's the kind of. I mean, Torian Prince would be help a lot of these teams in the top five. Like he'd be great in New York or LA.
1: He kind of got lost in the shuffle and in, in the Hawks. He had a pretty down season. Um, and his his numbers were basically still all there, but you know his efficiency dropped, and there were just felt like a little bit of stagnation. But yeah, he's one of those guys who you can kind of envision on any team just because he has the size, he has the defensive prowess, and he has, you know, theoretical ability to be like a secondary, tertiary ball handler. I mean, he's got
0: way more skills than most 3 and D wings, for sure. Oh, yeah. In terms of ball handling, passing, and creating his own shot. Like, you think to me, that's the kind of guy you would want more than a veteran, like a young veteran who's already done his first three years, but is still growing as a player for a top five pick.
1: I thought about him when I thought about, oh, imagine, you know, the Sixers having him instead of, you know, James Ennis. James Ennis had a pretty good series, like, against the Raptors. But, you know, let's be real, like, he's he has a, he has a pretty low ceiling. Or imagine, you know, the Rockets with him, having a guy who is six eight and who can kind of create off the dribble, create his own shot, who has the body type of, like, a power forward, a modern power forward. It would have been really interesting. So, yeah, no, Torian Prince is definitely a guy who... Would be worth targeting. Sure, I've got a name for you. How
0: about DeBonta Sabonis? Mm. Right? Are the Pacers only going to pay this guy and have two centers? Probably not. Right. Maybe to get like a three-team trade going. Like, go for, go for someone and like you put Sabonis with KD. It'd be kind of interesting because KD could kind of cover from as a shot
1: blocker, mm-hmm. great space for him in the rim. I mean, I was thinking like when you were mentioning like Mike Conley trade and trading him into to the Pacers. I was thinking, oh. I mean, maybe Demontis could work for for Memphis. Oh my God! If you could trade Sabonis for Conley, that'd be
0: incredible. Yeah. Sabonis and Jackson would be perfect together, right? But yeah, I think that's the kind of guy. If like if you're go if you want, once you go past Mike Conley, Bradley Beal, I'm thinking the kind of guys you get into trade are those kind of young guys coming up for their first big contract. That kind of player might make sense for a top five pick. Mm-hmm. Also, there's Andrew Wiggins. He's probably out there. <laughs>
1: I, I, I got some I got some uh some flack for, for suggesting the uh the Wiggins for Chris Paul trade a few weeks ago. Uh but I I stand by it. I think that's a pretty funny trade.
0: I think Minnesota would deal him for a pick though. Like, yeah.
1: you know. Let's talk about the Lakers. Uh it's the number four pick. They moved up, they should be happy. Should they be happy? Like what what can they really do with here?
0: Well, the first thing I thought when I saw the pick was like, how much authority does LeBron have in the organization? Because mm-hmm. he's got two clutch sports guys who could be there and Cam Reddish and Darius Garland. Like, is he making this pick or are the Lakers making this pick? If they keep it. Garland doesn't really make sense with the way their team works. Doesn't it though? Think about it. If you have Garland, you can play Lonzo at two. Like Garland could be like an elite Mario Chalmers, which sounds bad, but like he could score a lot of buckets. <laughs> And if you have, if you have Lonzo playing defense in the backcourt and Garland space in the floor it wouldn't be crazy. And he could play off LeBron easy.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's true. And I think one thing with Garland that you can definitely count on is look, LeBron has has been clamoring for for having guys who can create their own shot for years and whether or not that's actually what his team's need is up for debate, but Garland can absolutely create his own shot. He's so crafty. Uh, has very very good range from from NBA three can develop a little bit more of a floater game, but like he's definitely got the the requisite skill set uh, to be a high level offensive player in the NBA.
0: And then I, I'm thinking also, I feel like this is the kind of team if players are running it, they're going to believe in Cam Reddish. Mm-hmm. I remember I was reading something like in the Athletic, and they were talking to players at the start of the season, and they are all saying they thought Reddish was better than Zion or RJ. And like, if you're a player, you look at Cam, you look at his size, shooting ability, his fluidity. I can totally see LeBron watching Cam in a workout and falling in love with him, right?
1: Right. And be yeah. like, "Oh, this is a big wing I always needed." Also, like, okay, so like, I've been on this Jared, Jared Culver height truthing thing for a bit, but yesterday they were sitting next to each other. Cam Reddish is so much bigger than Jared Culver. He is. He is Cam enormous. Mark's like six
0: nine. He is enormous. Yeah. Culver's like 6'5" six, 6'6". Six, six.
1: Yeah. Cam Reddish is built already like an NBA level like vet power forward. He's huge. And the fact that he can combine that with a little bit of fluidity with a little bit of ball handling ability, theoretical, you know, 3-point shooting ability. Everything we've seen from him at Duke is, is just very kind of theoretical other than the actual misses that he made. The defense wasn't bad though. Yeah, the defense was He had a really wasn't, high yeah. steal rate. He kind of guarded pretty well. So, yeah, I can totally see teams talking, in, talking themselves into him um, during the combine process because this is exactly the time where you, start, you, you kind of reset your evaluations.
0: Yeah, and the things that he's bad at aren't really like workout things. It's like reading the floor, making layups in traffic, like that kind of stuff it kind of slides to the background. Whereas the things he does well... Translate really well to work out to one on one situation. But I, I still think right now, even if we talk about like LeBron, is the only thing really is if the Lakers, like, you know what, LeBron, we're drafting for the long term, come build this thing we're building, and we're not really worrying about your timetable right now. Maybe that's what they would think. But if LeBron's making decisions, I feel like he's going to have to get moved because he's just not going to deal with a 19 year old. You've seen that over his career. Right. Like Kyrie to all
1: these guys, like, Trying to win now, it's hard with 19-year-olds. Almost impossible. And now we transition to LeBron's former team, the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are stuck with, what is this, the fifth pick? Yeah. They were were clearly pining for Zion, clearly pining for a superstar. You get to the fifth pick, and what you're looking at is another kind of supporting player, uh, maybe someone to pair with Colin Sexton. But is that even a viable team-building strategy?
0: I mean, I think you're seeing with the Cavs at five, like, how these lottery odds are getting changed. It is tough to start from scratch and then be, like, drafting five, six, seven for, you know, five years. You could go absolutely nowhere, right? Yeah,
1: as the Magic can attest for years.
0: Right? Sexton was the eighth pick last year? Yep. Or... Yeah, he was the eighth, eighth or seventh. And just, like, the odds of getting an all-star at that point are pretty low. So to me, like, I don't even know. I guess you build around Colin Sexton, right? We weren't either one us really a, a big Sexton
1: guy. Yeah, I... I thought he like was a scoring guard. Pretty low on him. I mean, he shot the three very well. Uh, and, you know, he shot the mid-range fairly well. I just don't trust his instincts in the pick-and-roll. And I don't know how a guard his size can kind of really fare if, if you can't really navigate the pick-and-roll well. Um, so I'm I'm not bullish on building around him as like a, a cornerstone. But at this point, like what what else are you really doing? What else can you really do?
0: Yeah, it's tough because and not only that, if you have Sexton running like holding the ball most of the game, you'd better have a guy who can shoot around him because he's not going to get very Many chance to hold the ball beyond spot up threes. So that, that's what I worry about with like a Jared Culver. Yeah. Like if he goes to Cleveland and he's spotting up off Sexton, is he really going to chance to show his game or is he really going to stagnate?
1: Right. And and with Culver, it's, it's a lot of, again, theoretical three-point shooting ability. His, his stroke isn't, isn't beautiful. It's definitely not a consistent three-point shot yet. And so you're asking him to play off the ball when he's a kind of guy who, who can really kind of emerge and, and develop as a, a lead facilitator if, if a team wanted him in that role. I think he certainly has the craftiness. He certainly has the poise and, and the patience to do it. But yeah, it, it just kind of seems like an unlikely fit. But then, but then, what else can you do?
0: Because so you're probably not going to draft another combo guard, right? So like, Kobe White, Darius Garland, if they're there, are not going to be drafted. Mm. So then it's like DeAndre Hunter. Do you go for a bigger player? Do you go for like a a spot up wing like Hunter? Do You go for a Jackson Hayes
1: even to pair with? Oh, to Jackson? give him a a, a better lob target. Yeah, this kind of like early mid lotto like literally anything after the kind of zion jaw race just gets kind of sad it gets kind of really disappointing like it, you you really have to kind of dig to find out what you want from from these prospects and then suddenly it, it goes back to everything that we've been talking about for this entire podcast it's like you have to find the right fit because the because the talent's not going to override a lot of it
0: yeah i mean i think yeah it's just like You've got to be really aggressive building out your roster. Like you've really got to hope Chetty Osmond becomes a long term piece if you're Cleveland's, because you you're going to have to have multiple young guys if you're not going to have a star. Right. So you start from scratch. Maybe you can can you trade Love for anything at this point? You think?
1: Yes. I mean, you can trade. You can trade anyone. But are they but getting to get value back though? Yeah. Are they getting value back? I I don't I don't think so. It definitely wouldn't be the haul that they would hope for out of you know. A guy they're paying 30 plus mil. Yeah, times. I, I
0: feel like if you're the Cavs, you better be drafting. I mean, I guess it's obvious, but like, I think once you're at five, I would not even worry about these ranges. Like, you just draft the, the player you think is the best and the best fit for your franchise. And just, you know, that's why you're there. That's why you make the big bucks to make these decisions. Right. Don't let people like us determine it by saying,
1: oh, this is the draft range. Mm-hmm. You have to draft
0: DeAndre Hunter here because this is the spot he makes sense to, <laughs> to me. That's where you really get in trouble.
1: Yeah, and, and a similar team that that's kind of facing the same kind of, you know, identity crisis going forward, it's it's the Suns. You know, they, they've kind of worked Booker into this lead guard role, but is that necessarily sustainable given his injury history? Do they want to have another, you know, primary guy to kind of offload his responsibilities? Do they draft a point guard do they, or do they not?
0: I feel like this one makes sense for Garland. I don't know, but then you're so bad on defense if you have Garland Booker and Aiden. But if you have Garland and Booker, you're shooting a lot of threes, right? Couldn't mm-hmm. that be like a Dame CJ thing eventually? At the worst, not at the worst, but like as a possible outcome,
1: right? And you know, we haven't brought up Aiden yet. Aiden had you know a very efficient you know offensive season for the Suns. One of the most offensive seasons a rookie's ever had. Um, they they've clearly established a core that they that they like. Um, yeah, I, I, think, I think that's kind of the move, right? You want to surround Ayton with as many three-point shooters as possible and as many guys you can kind of create off the dribble as possible.
0: But if Garland's gone, mm-hmm. and then you go Kobe White, he's pretty erratic right now. He's a good shooter. He's got size, at least. Like, as I'm doing this, as we're doing this exercise, I kind of get the feeling the top five picks are going to be Zion, RJ, Ja. Uh, Garland and Reddish in some order. Mm-hmm. I just, that's about my feel right now in terms of skill sets and what is going to track teams. That's my suspicion right now, is those are top five picks. So at six, what do you do then?
1: Yeah, I think, I, I mean, right after that, I think the Bulls and Suns are definitely most needy of just having someone who can play the point. So I think either of them would be fine with Garland or Kobe White. I actually like Kobe White for the Suns. Uh, just he just gives them a little bit more size, uh, a little bit more leeway in terms of defense, um, than Garland does. So I, I think I think you're the fine with that. The one
0: thing Kobe White, he's kind of erratic right now. Like, right? Do you really want to deal with him growing into being a player? That's like a that's a long term play draft. Mm-hmm. I, like, I like Kobe White a lot. I think he's a top five overall talent. But you draft Kobe White, and it's not going to be like we're going to be good tomorrow. Right. You're thinking when he's at the end of his drinking content in three seasons, maybe it's, he's got to figure it figured
1: out. Hey, have you heard about Turo? So Turo is a peer-to-peer car sharing marketplace where you can basically book any car you want Wherever you want it from a community of different hosts, it's available for cities across the country, cities across the world, U.S., Canada, U.K., Germany. There are like 9 million users uh, worldwide. So you can choose whatever car you need. It doesn't matter if it's low cost or super luxury. You know, they have an incredible amount of different unique makes and models. You can get a Tesla, you can get a Porsche, you can get a regular Toyota. Uh, so whether it's a truck to help you on moving day, a swishy kind of sports car for a luxurious weekend away, or just a vintage van to make you feel like you're on the set of Scooby-Doo, Turo lets you find the perfect vehicle for your next adventure. So here's what you do. You download the Turo app, that's T-U-R-O, on the App Store or Google Play, or visit Turo.com. Get 25 Dollars off your first trip when you sign up for Turo and use the promo code Ringer twenty five at checkout. Terms apply. I think it's uh, time to get into a little bit of playoff news. I, th- I think we we kind of have to, you know, like these conference. Unfortunately, I, w-
0: I want to talk uh, the Wolves at eleven. We'll get back to that
1: later. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we'll start off with the Western Conference Finals game one played yesterday. Uh, it was... It went about as well as I thought it would. <laughs> the, the Warriors I can't won. believe they played
0: Ennis Cantor, what, 35 minutes or something?
1: Hey, at least he had 16 rebounds, you know?
0: Yeah, it's like, you don't even have to watch the game. Oh, Ennis Kanter played 35 minutes against the Warriors. I can't
1: tell you the result. Like, you see how often they were dropping screens on Steph? Like, that's going to work. It was ridiculous. Like, Ennis Cantor at any given moment was basically way deep in the paint like it, he was behind the free throw line on any of these on any of these Steph screens and Steph was just shooting pull-ups with impunity it was it was it was incredible
0: the worst part about it at the end of the first half there was like three possessions like 10 seconds left it's like at that point make a substitution for a smaller player it's the end of the game anyways end of the half and Steph had like 10 points in the last minute
1: right after the game reporters were were questioning uh Terry Stotts about you know, his his game plan. And they were like, oh, shouldn't you be, you know, trapping these guys a little bit more? You know, it, it seemed to help with the Rockets. And he kind of like sniped back at them being like, oh, well, you know, Curry went off for like 33 in the second half against the Rockets. So like, why? And just like, well, you know, because this has kind of been proven to work from time to time. And because you can't really gauge how well a defense is playing off of just one game, especially in a seven-game series. So, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking a lot more Zach Collins. We've been saying this for the entire season. More Zach <laughs> Collins. I guess more Aminu at the five. More, like, we're just running the hits right now with, with the a Right, with, you know, not even
0: the hits. Like, the really mediocre, like,
1: back-of-the-album cuts. <laughs> this is just, a class, yeah, classic charks uh, Charksisms. Okay, so I guess the big picture,
0: though, as I'm watching this, it does make you appreciate what the Warriors did by playing Draymond at the five, mm-hmm. right? I feel like there's so many teams who would never have done it, who would never have said, you know what? Draymond is best with a spread floor, playing four-on-threes, with shooters around him, we will trust in the guard, bigger players. There are so many teams who won't downsize against Draymond, right? They're playing Draymond and Kevon Looney at center. What is the harm in playing a smaller player at that point, Right. right. Right, and there's so many coaches who are still afraid of downsize well, in that situation, that means if Draymond goes to Portland is he a three in Portland if he goes there and never it plays and becomes like Alfruuk Minu. You know what I mean, like so much is about like having that player in that right role. I don't know, like if Portland's not gonna play Farouk at the four and the five, what's the point? you know what's even crazier they're playing Farouk and Harkless, and they still had c j Garden Clay Thompson,
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Like why why are you playing these two wings? So they can match up with Draymond Iguadala? How how much sense does that make?
1: Like there's a lot of talk about how these Warriors without KD has kind of looked a little bit more like you know the Warriors of old. It, it kind of has a little bit more of a, a, a I don't know a thrilling atmosphere to to their games. But part of that is just these Blazers kind of look like you know a team from 2015 that has no idea how to how to defend this. And they're kind of playing it in a, such a conservative style that you're like, okay, yeah, we're just watching a retro series from 2016.
0: Well, I mean, it feels like they're gonna make the move probably game three in Portland, mm-hmm. right? That'd be the that'd be my guess. Like they'll they'll run it out here in Golden State, lose twice, and then go smaller. And it's like you're the underdog. You can't afford to waste time with stuff that you know is not gonna work, right? Like, do you really think? Tanner has a chance of staying on the floor in the series if you're the coach. How can you think that? Like, just how? But, you know, either way, I don't know. They have much of a chance, to be honest, so. All
1: right. Next series, (laughs) (laughs) Raptors-Bucks. I mean, that's really it. That's really it. Uh, Raptors-Bucks, game one, Wednesday, tonight. You wrote a piece about how the Raptors have kind of Exercise their demons a little bit in terms of leaving LeBron, but then there's another LeBron right on the horizon, right there in front of them. And you don't see this as a very good series. Oh, I'm just like, I was really impressed watching that Bucks Celtic
0: series. I feel like everyone's talking about how the Celtics imploded, but the Bucks really pushed them to that put that point. Like they were playing like those ball lineups I've always wanted. Giannis at the five. And they're running Giannis the five with like Bledsoe as a screener in the pick and roll, and they're playing four shooters. Like how do you, how do you defend that? Right, with any amount of personnel,
1: honestly. Yeah, and I think you you made a, a great point. They're they're basically LeBron's Cavs, but with the best defense in the league.
0: So to me, I just look at like Toronto after they maybe I'm looking at being a prisoner of the moment and looking too much at Philadelphia series, but Toronto just looked so punchless after Kawhi. It's just hard for me to score scoring enough points to keep up. But what do they have to do to stay in the series?
1: I mean, they they need they need Pascal Siakam to be healthy. I I think the the calf injury or whatever it was kind of slowed him down and, and kind of eroded at his confidence. That that game seven was just like a really tough tough go. He was so passive; he wasn't looking to attack the ball, and 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 that's kind of his that is his biggest purpose on the team. You know, as a four, as a five, being able to just drive from anywhere out in the court and and really create a lot of pressure on the defense and he just wasn't able to do that. If they can't get 100% out of him, it's going to be a rough series because they just don't have the depth. They don't have the size in their bench to really like counter a lot of the the kind of waves of of long athletic guys that the the Bucks have. And like, look, when Eric Bledsoe has a bad game, they have a George Hill. I don't think the Raptors necessarily have that kind of next man up.
0: Yeah, that's been the big surprise. I mean, not a surprise, but like their bench this year, after they traded DeLon Wright with OG being out, really Van Vliet struggling has really surprised me. I thought he'd have a really good second year, but he really took a step back.
1: Yeah, and it's just rough for a guy like Van Vliet to really take over in, in a playoff series. I mean, look... (laughs) <laughs> game Game Seven against the Sixers, the the two point guard lineup, Kyle Lowry, Fred VanVleet was incredible, and they really kind of uh, galvanized the team and, and served as a, a catalyst for for that win and kind of allowed Kawhi to take them home. But yeah, this is another series in which Kawhi is going to have to take them home, and you know when he gets matched up with Giannis, and at first he's going to get matched up with Chris Middleton. These two are great defenders. And I just don't know if the Raptors have the counters. But I, I as a Raptors fan, I, I can say that now. I want to believe. Yeah,
0: Danny is not the voice of the Raptors for I sure. I want
1: to believe, you know? I don't think it's as, as dunzo as you do. Let's just put it there. I think as you were talking,
0: like with Siakam, he's got to be aggressive because Giannis loves to freelance off guys. Yeah. Like Giannis is kind of like Draymond. If you can play a non-shooter, it's over because he can play like 5-4 on defense. He can block shots anywhere on the floor. He can get back to his man really fast. So like he's got to be engaged on defense. So I, if I'm trying to think of the Raptors, I probably need Kawhi to dominate Middleton to the point where Giannis is to guard Kawhi. That's step one. Mm-hmm. Like if Kawhi lets Middleton guard him, I think they have no chance. So step one is getting Giannis on Kawhi, and then if you have Middleton on Siakam, maybe you get Siakam going. And then you know it always goes back to OG in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> I need my T800 lineup. I need it. In this series. OG I think is, they're going to play off Gasol and Ibaka so bad. They're going to yeah. attack them on offense and play off them on defense.
1: No, absolutely. And, and for, I think for the Raptors to have a, a legitimate shot against this team, they need OG back, but it, it's not looking good. Uh, he's, I think, limited in practices right now. I think they're going like, to reevaluate where he is in a week. That's just not enough time. It's not enough time for him to kind of get back into the game flow and, and to, to have to play, uh, you know, however many games it ends up being against the best regular season in the NBA with one of the best players in the NBA. That's a lot to ask. They need a size, though. This is the last stand of
0: Gasol and Lowry. I'm just not sure those guys going down with pop guns blazing is going to do.
1: This is, this is a terrible way to end the podcast i'm 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 hey, we should talk about your honesty
0: stuff before we get out of here.
1: That was awesome. you should talk oh, about that yeah thank you i i just the the first the first thing that popped in my head during the regular season was just like, man, this guy's like the son of refugees and and Milwaukee's refugee community isn't very big, but it's it's unique. I think they have the biggest um population of Rohingya, which is that was fascinating. Um, yeah, the, that. That was really they are an ethnic religious minority um, based in Myanmar, uh, which is facing, you know, obviously a huge refugee crisis. And they're some of the most persecuted um, people in the world. And they the lucky ones get to arrive in America and it's just such a struggle for them to kind of adjust to life. But they've managed in in Milwaukee and they're, and they're trying to build for a future. And I think Giannis being the kind of, you know, player he is, but also with the background that he's coming from, uh, can serve as a as a really strong, you know, example, a really strong symbol for for refugees uh moving forward. How long were you out there? I was out there for a week. I talked to, you know, members of the Rohingya community, members of the Syrian community. Um, two, you know, two of the biggest refugee crises in the world exist, you know, in Syria, exist in Myanmar. So uh, it was just it was just a nice way to kind of put things in perspective and and the the kind of you know impact that sports kind of has outside of just being entertainment. You know,
0: yeah, I mean for sure. And with Giannis, it's like that's part of his story. That's the reason mm-hmm. no one knew who he was be- until the draft.
1: Absolutely, he couldn't. Yeah, I he think couldn't in your play. article
0: you were saying he have a passport, right? Mm-hmm. Until like, they had the draft.
1: Yeah, like he couldn't play for professional teams out in Greece. He couldn't play. You know how how they get discovered. A lot of these international guys is, you know, through Hoop Summit, through, you know, these international well, those tournaments. tournaments, those tournaments. Yeah. He couldn't he couldn't travel outside of the country because he was undocumented. There was just no way for him to do it. And the Greek uh government only gave him a passport a month before the NBA draft because he was going to kind of uh paint them in, you know, a favorable light. But like there there is definitely opposition in the government that completely hate his guts. And it's like that's something that he'll have to deal with for you know the rest of his life
0: yeah man it's definitely bigger than basketball that was an awesome story check it out on the ringer today or it'll be up there for a while obviously that was really cool
1: yeah that's all the time we have for today thanks for listening thanks to bobby wagner for producing Till next week